0: Let's go places.
2: Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was May 1st, 1820. Radical activist Arthur Thistlewood and four other men were executed in London for high treason after plotting to assassinate the Prime Minister's entire cabinet. In the beginning of the 19th century, most of Britain was still dealing in agriculture, but urbanization and industrialization were taking over in some areas. The conclusion of the Napoleonic Wars and the War of 1812 had brought in a bunch of returning soldiers and sailors looking for work. Inflation, food shortages, and poor working conditions were rampant. Cities were becoming overcrowded, and poverty, crime, and disease were quickly becoming more of a problem. Workers had low pay, and they often faced harsh punishments for their mistakes. The Combination Acts of 1799 forbade working men from collective bargaining and forming trade unions. This caused a lot of unrest. By 1820, people had already been protesting mechanization and calling for reform. Arthur Thistlewood was one of these people. Fueled by his drive to overthrow the government and his own financial woes, Thistlewood became involved in radical groups. He became associated with Thomas Spence, a revolutionary who advocated for the common ownership of land. The government did not perceive Thistlewood as a threat at first, but after Thistlewood took part in a failed plan to invite Napoleon to invade Britain, the government took notice. Thomas Spence died in 1814, but his followers, the Spencians, remained, and Thistlewood became one of their organizers. In December 1816, he helped plan a riot at Spa Fields with the aims of seizing the Bank of England and the Tower of London. Thistlewood was later arrested, but he got off through either an acquittal or withdrawn charges. By 1818, Spensians were tired of failed plots, but Thistlewood was still stirring the pot. He challenged Home Secretary Henry Addington, First Viscount Sidmouth, a former prime minister to a duel. This earned Thistlewood a year in prison for threatening a breach of peace, a sentence that began in May 1818. But Thistlewood's rebellion did not end there. Parliament passed the Six Acts of 1819, which were created to suppress radical movements and restricted people's rights to hold public meetings and distribute political literature. Once Thistlewood was released from prison, he began plotting to kill all of the prime minister's cabinet. He and a group of co-conspirators rented rooms on Cato Street in London to get ready for the mass assassination. Thistlewood found out, possibly through a man named George Edwards, that the cabinet ministers were planning on having one of their regular dinners at the Earl of Harrowby's home in Grosvenor Square on February 23, 1820 he decided that this would be the perfect time to assassinate the cabinet so he could install a provisional government that worked in the interest of the people. The conspirator's plan was to rush in the earl's home, subdue the servants, murder all the cabinet ministers in the dining room, then set up the provisional government in the Lord Mayor's home. But Thomas Haydn, whom Thistlewood had tried to get to join the plot, told Lord Castlereagh of the conspiracy. Once Lord Harrowby found out, he canceled the dinner. George Edwards was also a government spy, and he'd been passing along information about Thistlewood. The Bow Street Runners, a police force, raided the conspirators' hideout on Cato Street on the evening of the 23rd as they were preparing to leave. In the scuffle, Thistlewood ended up killing an officer and escaping, but he was caught the next morning. The trials for the conspirators began on April 17, 1820. In the end, all the men on trial were found guilty of high treason. Five of the men's sentences were commuted to transportation at New South Wales. About two weeks later, on May 1st, Thistlewood, James Ings, James Brunt, William Davidson, and Richard Tidd were hanged and posthumously beheaded at Newgate Prison. Around 100,000 people gathered to watch the execution. So many people tried to climb a railing at St. Sepulchre's Church that it fell under the stress of the load of people. Thistlewood said in his last speech, Albion is still in chains of slavery. I quit it without regret. I shall be consigned to the grave, and my body will be immured beneath the soil whereon I first drew breath. My only sorrow is that that soil should be a theater for slaves, for cowards, and for despots. My motives, I doubt not, will hereafter be justly appreciated. Albion just means Britain. Because government officials did not want the execution to incite a riot, they deployed soldiers around the prison and had the conspirators' bodies interred in the jail the same day. After the failure of the Cato Street conspiracy, much of the radical activity around labor reform ended. The Spencean philanthropists disbanded. The government pointed to the conspiracy as proof that the six acts were necessary to maintain order. I'm Eve Chefcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, you can listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called The Cato Street Conspiracy. If you haven't gotten your fill of history after listening to today's episode, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast that never gives up on history. The day was May 1st, 1753. Carl Linnaeus published Specius Plantarum, a two volume text that contained a list of known plant species. The work is considered the starting point for a binomial nomenclature, or the use of two terms to name a species of living organism. Aristotle, a philosopher in the 4th century BCE, did not create an entire classification system to describe all animals, but he did group similar organisms together under the term genus, and he recognized different species within a genus. He sought to define the differentia, or the essential defining trait of each species. He even made a distinction between blooded and bloodless animals, which mirrors the modern distinction between vertebrates and invertebrates. Other philosophers and biologists were dedicated to classifying organisms, though many did not base their descriptions on any solid methodology or hierarchy. But during the Renaissance, the knowledge and study of the natural world expanded a lot. Still, species naming practices varied, biologists gave some species long Latin names that could be changed easily. That meant that the same species would have different names and different descriptions, which could cause confusion. On top of this, imperialism, colonialism, and global exploration was giving Europeans more access to plants and animals they were previously unfamiliar with. Carl Linnaeus was a Swedish physician and botanist. In 1735, he published Systema Naturae. The work described a new taxonomy for three kingdoms in nature, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the mineral kingdom. Kingdoms were divided into classes, genera, and species. The first edition of the text only contained 11 pages. On May 1st, 1753, Linnaeus' Specius Plantarum was published. Technically, Volume 1 of the book was published on May 24th, and Volume 2 was published on August 16th, but May 1st has been deemed the date of issue for both. By this time, more editions of Systema Naturae had been published, and the classification system had become more complex. In Specius Plantarum, Linnaeus described thousands of plant species. He defined 24 classes of plants based on their reproductive organs. In this sexual system, as Linnaeus called it, the number and position of stamens and pistils determined a plant's class and order. The Linnaean system also used binomial names for plants. He was not the first to use binomial nomenclature, but he did simplify naming, and he used binomials consistently. At this point, organism names were made up of a string of two or more descriptive words, but Linnaeus limited names to just two terms, a Latin genus name and a so-called trivial name. For instance, the honeybee, which previously had 12 words in its name, was labeled Apis mellifera. At the time, many scientists did not accept his naming system, but more editions of Specius plantarum were released, with new species added to each. The book's simplified classification system made botany accessible to more people and contributed to the rise of the field in the 18th and 19th centuries. In taxonomy, the principle of priority says that the first properly published name of a species or genus takes precedence over any published later. The International Botanical Congresses in 1905 and 1910 established the publication of Specius plantarum as the starting point for the naming of many plant groups. The 10th edition of Sustema Naturae, published in 1758, marks the starting point for zoological nomenclature. The International Code of Nomenclature for Algae, Fungi, and Plants now sets rules and recommendations on formal botanical names. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any kind words to share with us, you can hit us up on social media. We're at TDIHC Podcast. You can also send us a note via email at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social
1: media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride